Hi, I'm Tammy Hicks-Jackson. Welcome to my podcast. I am a Christian pastor in the United Methodist tradition, and this podcast covers a variety of topics. You may find anything from Bible study and devotions to yoga and meditation from a Christian perspective to my thoughts on Christian leadership and the church. Look for the descriptions and the tags for each episode to find what you're interested in. And thanks for taking this journey with me. Let's jump into this episode. In chapter 8 of 1 Samuel, the people of Israel have demanded a king. So we pick up our story in chapter 9 with the choice of their first king. Saul is the man who is chosen. Notice how he is chosen and what it has to say about him. His family is wealthy and prominent, and he is very handsome. These are the ways the world chooses people. We're going to see later when the next king is chosen that God says, I look at the heart. I don't look at the outside the way people do. Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was located, their inherited territory was near the center of Israel. Chapter 9, verse 9 is going to show us the development of the office of prophet in Israel. Um, Verse 15 uses the word ruler rather than king or monarch. And this meeting has been prearranged. Saul objects to this in verse 21, and we're not sure if this is false humility or if it is legitimate hesitation on his part. We're going to see throughout that Paul tends to have some insecurity, some uncertainty, and um, some jealousy as well. Chapter 10 is a coronation of Saul in verse 1. Um, By the way, the Hebrew text um, of this lacks the second half of verse 1. So it just doesn't even say anything from the Hebrew text reads, Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, the Lord has anointed you ruler over your people Israel. And then it goes right on to verse 3. So there's much more that has been inserted in there. Samuel foretells some of Saul's journey after this coronation. Um, The ecstatic experience of Saul is a little bit odd. Um, The absence of these prophets' fathers being known is an indication that this is not a group of recognized or respected people in the culture. Um, These are a group of other people who are having an ecstatic religious experience. Um, In verse 6, notice that God has not yet anointed Saul as king. Um, The Spirit of the Lord will possess you, and you will be in a prophetic frenzy. The Spirit actually possesses him in verse 9, and God then gives him another heart. He's publicly recognized as king in verse 17, where he's chosen by lots. So this confirms... Um, what has already been done privately. And once again, he resists, he runs, he hides from this call. The final paragraph of um, in verse 27 actually comes to us from the Dead Sea Scrolls. It begins with, Now Nahash, king of the Ammonites, had been grievously oppressing. That through the end of the chapter is something that we didn't know and didn't have until we discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. Chapter 11, Saul has successful 
military exploits. He's a successful military leader. We often portray him quite negatively, and certainly he has some negative characteristics, but he has some positive ones as well. The grace that he shows to those who doubted him as king in verse 13 helps to calm their misgivings and bring them around to accepting him as king. In chapter 12, we get Samuel's farewell address. We can see that he's still holding on to hope for his sons. And we see what we suspected earlier, that he feels rejected by their desire for a king. He felt like it was judgment of the job he was doing. And he spends a lot of time in this speech justifying what he has done. In chapter 13, verse 1, it's a little bit problematic. There are some pieces missing. We don't know exactly what the verse says. A number for um, Saul's age is missing in the Hebrew text. And the whole verse is missing in the Septuagint. And the number of years that he has reigned is incomplete. We can see the two, but there's another number that has been lost to us. Um, At some future point between coronation and Samuel's death, Saul prepares for battle. We now know that his son Jonathan is old enough to lead and be involved. And we see in verses three and four that Samuel, that Saul gets credit for Jonathan's work. We also learn that Saul is impatient. He's worried about the popularity of the people. He feels insecure. And we have to wonder if Samuel perhaps is being intentionally late. There appears to be a rub between the two of them. We know that Samuel has his feelings hurt, that they wanted a king. He may be delaying and running late just to kind of tick Saul off. He's resisting Saul's leadership. So we have an evidence of some ongoing tension between them. But this is the last straw for Samuel, um, and he rejects Saul as king. Um, We know that the Philistines trying to control the production of metal gave them an advantage militarily. They are believed to have brought an iron smelting process with them when they migrated to this area that really helped them to be um, quite effective in battle. We move into chapter 14. Ahijah is the great-grandson of Eli. So Eli's family is still out there and operating, and they may see themselves as a rival to Samuel. They were supposed to have been the ones who became high priests, who were the primary judges of the country, and they could see Samuel as a usurper. In chapter 14, verse 12, where they say, come up and we'll show you something, This is a sexual innuendo. This is an invitation about, we'll show you how it's done. Come on up. We'll we'll give you a a go. Um, So it's meant to be incredibly offensive. And um, we see that Saul makes a very rash oath about fasting before this battle. Uh, Many times troops fasted from sexual relationships with their wives Um, They might fast from um, reveling, from drinking and partying, but it would be important that you had enough nutrition to be able to sustain a whole day of, of battle. The honey on the ground that is mentioned probably is referring to dates. So dates have fallen off the tree and onto the ground and they're squishy and sticky because honey was made, um, 
from the, from the syrup that they squeezed out of dates. So they have probably entered a forest of date palms there. Um, the battle shows that the, it is a narrow defeat um, of Jonathan. And Jonathan has violated the oath, and that's going to become the reason why. But the people ransom Jonathan. And we don't know if we mean they have they simply talk Saul out of it or if perhaps they have substituted an animal to die in Jonathan's place. The narrative portrays Saul very negatively at this point, um, but we do also see that he has his successes. Chapter 15, um, Samuel says to utterly destroy what is there, but Saul keeps some of the spoils and he spares the king. This creates even more tension with Samuel, and Samuel rejects him again. Um, notice that Saul first tries a cover-up. He lies. I have done what the Lord said. Um, and I think Samuel's response is a little, really? Really? You've done what God said? Then what is that bleeding of sheep I hear? Then he wants to get into a confrontation. When he's confronted, he comes up with an excuse. So it's just more confirmation that Saul has self-esteem and confidence issues. We can also see this in verse 17 and 24. Chapter 15, verse 22 affirms for us that obedience is better than religious activity. Um, I love how it even goes so far as to say rebellion is like making yourself your own God. And the torn robe becomes an object lesson. Um, the country is going to be torn from Saul. The men part ways here, and they never see each other again. In chapter 16, we have a new king. David is anointed king. And from chapter 16, verse 1, all the way through the end of chapter 31, David and Saul are going to contend for the throne. It's like a grand wrestling match. David is chosen very differently than Saul. He, too, is from a respected family, probably a wealthy family. David is handsome, but it's very clear, verse 7, that he's chosen for the condition of his heart. Um, I have always wondered, and I think here we have some evidence, that Saul may actually have a mental illness. Um, music soothes his moods and his minds. And we know that this is true, that music can be very helpful in institutions for those who are dealing with mental illness. I wonder if it isn't providence that David is the one who's brought to play music for Saul. He's um, destined to be the next king to take his place and coming to court to play places him where he can see and observe and begin to build relationships and learn. Um, and Jesse, by the way, sends David with a grand gift for the king, all that stuff that he brings with him. In chapter 17, we have the very iconic battle of David and Goliath. It tells us that Goliath is six cubits tall, so he's between nine and ten feet tall. He is wearing a coat of mail, so his armor weighs more than a 100 pounds, and just the tip of his spear weighs 15 pounds. So he's portrayed as a very large, very strong man. Um, we see here that if the leader is afraid, the people will be afraid. Saul is afraid of him. A leader sets the tone. We're told that they cower in fear for 40 days. 40 days is a euphemism for a long time, longer than a month, a good long time. 
We also see that David has some sibling issues, which may just be the normal sibling issues. Um, David is probably um, older than perhaps Eliab. Eliab may be jealous of David's role as armor bearer to the king. Um, he may think his little brother is ridiculous for not being afraid. And so he implies that David doesn't really work hard. What their dad expects him to do is not really hard. Um, David declines Saul's armor. Saul's leadership style, the way he faces things, is not going to fit David. Each person, each leader, every role we step into, we must find the way God has created us to fill that role. So David takes a slingshot with some stones in it, and he knocks Goliath out. Goliath is not dead. He's simply knocked unconscious. Death comes by having his head cut off. Um, Verses 54 and forward are a little bit odd because we know that Saul already knows David. Him saying, who is this person? It's a little bit of an oddity. It's almost as though there were two versions of this story that were stitched together in a little bit of an odd and unfitting way, or this may have originally belonged earlier. We don't know, but the story of David and Goliath brings us to the end of the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel.